3: I'm Kim Holderness
2: and I'm Penn Holderness and you are listening to the Holderness Family Podcast.
3: We are so excited you're here. You guys, if you've seen our videos online, thank you. That's cool too. But yeah. this, this is our, this is our favorite place. This is our favorite thing to do.
2: And it's, we've been doing it for what, three years now? I think more than Maybe four years. And uh, it continues to be the stress reliever in our life by just taking a second, looking at each other. And talking about our lives. And I'm thrilled that some of you are interested in, in joining us in this journey. A lot of times it's us. Sometimes we need help. Today we're probably going to get some help.
3: Let me tell you, as we sit here and look at each other, I just want to set the scene. I just want to be real honest. I have not showered. I have not yet put a bra on. I just checked. the. I did a little pit check. It, it might be me I'm smelling right now. So I hope.
2: I don't smell great either.
3: Yeah. I hope. You feel comfortable, as I do right now, because I'm in my winter sweatpants and feeling a little gamey.
2: If you want to know what they look like, Google, Google lazy pants video or Google libido killer video. So Duh. I wear these sweatpants,
3: <laughs> except for the, I take them off during the summer because they're a little warm. It's a little swampy down there right now. And, and I made a bad choice. Did, did you know? just did you just say what I thought you just said? I said swampy. No, then you said down there. No. Oh God, um, you did. It's okay. I'm just, like, down below my... Oh, God, I almost said below my waist. No, it's just, like, my legs are swampy right now. I should not be wearing fleece sweatpants in June. You know, why don't we get on to
2: the reviews and the questions? Uh. How do you feel about that? First of all, thank you so much uh, for subscribing to this podcast. If you haven't already, it makes a big difference in the way that the aliens who control algorithms serve up our podcast. So thank you for that. And also reviews, Kim, right?
3: Okay. And this is my most uncomfortable moment of the week where people say nice things about us and I have to read it out loud. Kaminsky, 2019, you're both so relatable and honest. (laughs) Thank you for your continued time and effort into putting the show together. I've learned new things, read new books, and I'm always looking forward to hearing what's next. Uh, That is very sweet. It is. And and, it does. So it does take time to put these things together. So thank you for recognizing that effort, even if it doesn't seem like it. I did not shower, but I did prep.
2: Yeah. You always prep for this. And we didn't we didn't super prep for this because we we've got an expert who's going to come in. Mm -hmm. But we do like there's effort. We have pre-production elements like music that, you know, if someone has a review or a question, we have a song that we can play.
3: Speaking of questions. Do you have any questions for us? Here is where we answer
2: them. We will try our best to get to as many
3: questions as we can.
2: I accidentally played the wrong bit there, and then I just it's, came back. It's okay. It's real. It's we, raw.
3: It's organic.
2: Yeah. Um. So Melissa from Ithaca, New York,
3: is it left our it left us a voicemail, and is our question of the day. Take it away. Hi, this is Melissa from Ithaca, New
1: York. I was wondering if you guys could talk about first-time parenting and what your expectations of parenthood is versus the reality of parenthood. My husband and I are about to become first-time parents in about a month, and I
3: am curious what differences there are between expectations and reality. Thank you. Bye. Bye.
2: How long ago do we get this voicemail?
3: We got it a little while ago. So, <laughs> Melissa, you've already had your baby. Congratulations. Congratulations. I, we do go through these voicemails. It takes us a minute sometimes. But that is such a thoughtful, thoughtful question.
2: Yeah. And it, it had us taking a trip down memory lane, right? And going back to, to that point, I think we also realized while we were taking that trip that some of this advice might actually help us now. Mm -hmm. But really, I wrote down so just three things of just like right around the moment that the baby arrives that I thought would be different, Mm -hmm. and I thought I would run through these, and you can let me know what you think, babe. Yeah. Does that sound good? Uh, I thought it would be gross.
3: That's number one.
2: I thought all of it was going to be gross. From the outside, when I saw my friends having babies, and I knew that you had to take feces, and wipe it and wrap it up and put it in a bag i you know and the actual childbirth and the red and the fluid and the okay okay we
3: got it we got it okay okay. pen stop
2: but no i did like the poopy diapers the booger suckers i knew about all these things and i was like am i gonna be able to handle this i have a gag reflex right also pen shut up like your wife is being a rock star here you need to suck it up and be okay with this but I will say that you quickly become, and I don't even know if the word is desensitized, because not only is it not gross, it is beautiful. It is ap- childbirth is, I mean, ap- in my opinion, maybe you don't think so. I, I thought think it the was,
3: childbirth is is yeah. beautiful. I think the when they crap up their back and it explodes out of this like armpits or their onesies is not beautiful. Yeah. But yes, but well, it, but it's also not like you're like ah well you know, let's cut it off and throw that one away. Yeah, yeah.
2: I- I'll say that parents, I think it's just. It, you quickly become acclimated to it and also just realizing that it's part of life and you're okay with it. And it's funny because you're like that when you're when you have the baby, and maybe Melissa's dealing with this right now. And then now our kids are twelve, and we were at a house, and there was like a kid who pooped. and I was like, "Oh, it's a poopy diaper." And the dad joked around he's like, "Oh, you, you want to change it? And I was like, no, no, because I'm because then you get out of that. Yeah, out of that. But there's that this little bubble you get in when everything's okay. I thought the biggest problem was going to be keeping my child rested. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: I thought that was going to be we were just all about like, shh, just go to sleep, shh, just sleep. You need development. Your brain needs development. The biggest problem that I had, and I bet you you're the same way, Kim, was forgetting that I needed sleep and keeping myself rested.
3: Oh, I never forgot. I was. I I always knew. I I I knew that the kid would sleep. That I I never had that um, assumption. But because uh, the kid is can pass out anywhere and would sleep eventually, and uh, even if it came slowly, I, I was always stressed about not getting enough sleep.
2: And I think you and I are different because you have you had had insomnia and loss of sleep before you had a mm-hmm. child. I had never had that before, and it, like even as a dad, I mean we we co parented pretty well. Like yeah. we we took turns waking up in the middle of the night, and I'm just I'm not a good night waker. And, uh, and well, I, know-
3: I was nursing, so you didn't really do like heavy duty. No, not,
2: he- but I, but I, there were times when, when you stopped nursing, when we took turns or sometimes it was even like, there'd be a night that would be my night. And yeah, again, the mother, uh, the, the mother, you, it's almost impossible to do 50, 50 with the mother when it comes to something like that. But yeah, that, so that was, that was, I, I did not expect to be clamoring for as much sleep and I also did not expect that my baby would sleep so well.
3: Oh, our babies do not sleep well, honey.
2: They, But they would just fall asleep in the middle of the day. Like, right, I'm, yeah. I'm telling you, like I, I didn't realize these things were gonna happen. Yeah. And our, like relatively speaking, I've heard people with real tough times about like getting the baby to sleep through the night, and while Lola did not do that instantly, we got to a point, because we had to, where she did start sleeping through the night, and that was a game changer. I thought I would get frustrated easily. I really did. I thought that all of these things that we are discussing would make me cranky and ornery, and maybe it did. But the great equalizer is that when you are a dad, uh, or at least for me, like you see that kid and that kid smiles at you or even like accidentally just turns its face up like it's not really smiling, but you think it's smiling or it you know, looks at you or just grabs your finger and holds on really tight, there is a switch in your brain where you instantly become a more patient person. And it's funny. I also – let me know if you if this is making any sense. Isn't there like some genetic thing when uh, you're a, a newborn parent, the reason that we don't – maybe it's just – males that we don't abandon our child is because it looks like us or because it's like really cute and it has like a certain eye color and they there was I, I, someone said that there's like it, it's m- made to genetically at first look a little bit more like the father than it's going to end up looking and that's why we're not like every other animal and just like leave our kids have you heard this theory
3: we should ask an expert about this
2: we should Okay, so those are my three things, but honestly, like, do you feel like you're sort of paddling into an ocean where you need a better navigator here? Always. Yeah, that's always. how we always feel. So this, the good news is we have good friends on this podcast and one of them, Dr. Hope Seidel, we, uh, we brought her on during COVID mm-hmm. and it was one of our most popular podcasts we've ever had just about, you know, kids and getting through COVID. Uh, we've got her on Zoom right now. She's shaking her head as if that's not true, but It's true.
3: It's true. It's true, and I feel very, very lucky to call her a friend. She's a a practicing pediatrician, but also a parenting coach, life coach. You can go to parentwithhope.com, and she does one-on-one sessions. And let me tell you, I learn a lot just from every single conversation.
2: She has no idea why we're calling her. No idea. let's, Let's hit the open here. Come on, man.
3: We'll rock it out, um, and she literally does not know why we're calling. No. Her. <laughs>
1: Yeah. This is awesome. I'm I'm ready. I'm I'm
3: just I'm I'm sitting here. I got my stethoscope on. She does. I'm brawless and haven't showered. She's already seeing patients. You okay, do let's have do this. a
2: stethoscope. It's yes. kind of how I would, yes, <laughs> a, how I would she's, imagine. She's you looking. Uh,
3: she's our person. Okay, go for it, Pen.
2: All right. So we got a uh, we got a question from a listener, Melissa, who was about to have a, a child, and she asked us what would our advice be to those about to have a baby. Like, what are some things that you would tell yourself? that uh, that you didn't know the first time around. And I shared some of the things that I learned as a first-time father. Uh, you know, I thought it was going to be grosser. I ended up being okay with the grossness. <laughs> I thought the, one of the biggest problems would be keeping my child rested, really. It was about keeping us rested. And then thirdly, I thought I would get frustrated easily, but then I had this, like, immediate moment when I saw the baby, and uh, it, it just it went away. I thought I remember something genetically, and I don't know if you know this, or if it's even true, someone told me that like babies being cute is like an evolutionary way that like we don't abandon our kids because they're so adorable. Have you ever heard that?
1: Yeah, totally. I usually, um, when I'm trying to explain to parents later in their kids' lives, the idea of unconditional Mm -hmm. love for our kids, I remind them of the feeling that they had when they looked at their child when they were first born and their child had done nothing to Mm -hmm. deserve any love at all. That's it. Just loving them immediately from looking at them. That's the kind of love we want to offer our kids forever. And it
3: gets harder the more they speak. (laughs) Yes. And honestly, it gets. And I would say also, let's normalize as a woman who went through. I'm raising my hand here, like postpartum depression and anxiety. I, of course, unconditional love like would have jumped in front of a train right away. But I was questioning, I'm like, am I doing, like, is this connection? Am I, is this enough? Everybody says it's, everybody says it's overwhelming and they have goo-goo eyes right away, but I'm like, am I connected enough? Like, it's not always that instantaneous. I love that. And
1: I actually think that's probably a pretty good red flag for someone who's not sure if they're struggling when they're noticing a bit of a disconnect. I think that that's a great thing to bring up with your pediatrician or with your, you know, your adult caregiver, because that oftentimes is a good window into how things are going it, but yes the transition is not always amazing in the beginning right you're exhausted and you have a lot of normal expectations sometimes in the beginning that I think really can create a lot of doubt i thought it was going to be is a kind of a lot of things especially with my breastfeeding parents oh my god you know it's just i thought this was going to be different kind of thing and just allowing that it's not a hundred percent awesome in the beginning is okay. You know, I think everyone's like, how is it? Are you so excited? It's so amazing. And especially if you're wrestling with postpartum symptoms or you're just feeling crazy because you're so tired, it's hard to connect with that experience. And sometimes you can feel guilt or doubt that makes things worse.
2: You just, you just said guilt or doubt. That was going to be my next question, Kim. It's hard, very hard for someone who is a mother and who you know believes in their heart that it's your job to be the rock and the steady person to actually bring this up to a to a doctor right
3: well right. i i yeah i didn't Penn was the one like we sat in a pediatrician's appointment he's like i think my wife needs help so it was really great that i had a very involved partner something else you said which is like the more they talk the harder it is to love them <laughs> unconditionally <laughs>
1: That's another podcast,
3: okay? But I will say the hardest part of parenting for me has been like seeing my kids, even very young, make decisions that I wouldn't. Oh, yes. What's up with that? Why did they do that? Just do it my way. Just decide the things that that I would decide. And we'll be right back. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy.
2: Opening up to a therapist might feel uncomfortable, cathartic, exhausting, or even exhilarating. But one thing's for certain, if you keep talking or texting with a licensed therapist, you will gain insights and uncover truths that you can only find in therapy.
3: Get those personal breakthroughs and judgment-free support by signing up for Talkspace.
2: At Talkspace.com, you can sign up online and get a personalized match with a provider that's right for you, typically within 48 hours.
3: There's no need to commute to appointments, miss time at work, or line up childcare in order to attend sessions. It's mental health care made
2: easy. Talkspace is also affordable and in-network with most major insurers.
3: To celebrate May, Mental Health Awareness Month, and the power of talking it out in therapy, Talkspace is offering every listener of this podcast $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com slash Holderness.
2: To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash Holderness to get $80 off your first month with code SPACE80 and to show your support for the show.
3: That's talkspace.com/slash holderness with code SPACE80. This is the
1: thing. Okay, the two pieces of advice I usually give, which will probably be as practical as you're expecting. Okay, the first is when someone is about to have a baby, I always tell them, please just enjoy not being a parent for a little bit. Like parents spend so much time anticipating it and getting their lists together and all the things like getting ready and talking about things. And they just don't, they're not present in the moment when they're not parents. Cause once you're a parent, your whole life shifts, right? In the most miraculous and difficult and amazing and awful and wonderful way. And there's this really precious time right before that that I think many parents miss because they're in planning mode and not being present. So I always encourage parents to do that in the first moments and then the second piece of advice I often tell parents both after and before is that you know our kids are who they are is already predestined they're like a packet of seeds that don't have any label right and we're planting them and our job really isn't to give them our journey it's to pay attention to what we're growing and water that instead of wondering why they're not like we thought they were going to be. Does that make sense? I, I well,
2: I just that. don't think you're aware of how uh, travel basketball works, Hope.
3: Um,
2: <laughs> I, I mean this is uh, you know what? I'm no, sorry. I have to That's say such that, good advice. No, no I have to say advice. I remember
3: my first thought when Lola was born and it was it was a little traumatic because they're like, "Oh, it's your first baby, it's going to take forever." And I accidentally waddled into the hospital, dilated to 10. So it took four minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah. is that she came out gorgeous, beautiful. And I, they put her on me. I was like, huh, eh, that's not how I thought she'd look. And mm-hmm. like, I was like, oh, this is, huh? this is different than I thought it was going to be. So, and then the fact that my children gasp are making different choices down, I mean, simple stuff like electives. I'm like, I wouldn't choose that. I wouldn't do I, that. I, the funny thing is, is that you thought that they were going to make your choice. Like it's it's actually not weird (laughs) that they're
1: not, that they're doing that. It's weird that you thought they wouldn't. Right. Yes.
3: Uh, Yeah. It's so, I'm so, and I have, I've discovered about myself that maybe I'm a little, I'm diving into like what codependency actually is. I'm like, oh, I think I'm a little codependent. What do you mean by that? Well, just like my happiness is a little tied, not just a little, but mostly not in my, not in my marriage, but in my, with my kids about like what their happiness and what, The decisions they're making, like my life, is so intertwined with that that I need to, for all of our sake, like unravel that.
2: Yeah, and look, hope that it hit me like a ton of bricks when she just said they are. It's a bag of seeds that you're you're supposed to water and and do all that with. I'm just telling you that like we're in this stage of life where like our kids are starting to have real goals and they're going after them themselves. Right? We have a high schooler who has like real. Uh, like amazing goals that she can attain, but th- there it is so hard to follow that advice that you're giving in this particular season of our life. And I know we're not talking about newborns anymore, but these are all lessons that you're giving the newborns that we need to start practicing as parents of teens.
1: Listen, it's actually harder pen the other way, like you trying to you trying to like wonder why you're not growing a sunflower and wishing it was when you're growing cilantro is so much harder, right. Mm-hmm. Than paying attention to the flower you're growing and knowing exactly what you're supposed to do. And if you're not paying attention to what you have and you're looking outside in someone else's garden and wondering like, what are they feeding that kid? Like, I want to know what they're doing, but they're growing bamboo when they don't even need to do anything. You know, it's an impossible test. So I think the heart is actually, opposite. I think it's so much easier to to witness what you have and just pay attention. It's just that we resist that so much as parents, because we think our ideas about what our kids should be doing are better. And so it's just a letting go that I think is just the tricky
2: part. What if we're terrible at gardening in real life? <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna show a picture <laughs> of our backyard.
3: We are. I, that I, I, it, I yeah. love that analogy so much, Hope, because I feel like yeah, so so many parents, you know, like oh, I have a girl. It's a sunflower, and it comes out of the ground. A tomato, and right. like uh, you know, a tomato that makes these different decisions. And but tomatoes are amazing and perfect. And and, yeah. not,
1: and not everybody likes tomatoes either. You yeah. know what I mean? It is what it is. But they're, yeah, they're absolutely. It's like oh, that's what I got, huh? Okay, oh, yeah. I can do that. Yeah. As opposed to just wondering, like, it's red, is it a strawberry? Like, I think I should do this. Our goal is just to feed it and not kill it, Pen. So, <laughs> listen, infants, your question is is that when you think you're killing it is when you ask for support, right? right? That's the whole thing, right? Yeah. But to me, that's the in the newborn period, like just witnessing what you have and paying attention. Parents oftentimes are looking outside themselves to figure out what to do. And the truth is, is like, even in the newborn period, just circling back to your question question even in the newborn period you always know your baby better than anyone even from the first day and so tr- starting to really work on your self trust in that way and having people around you who teach you that is the most important
3: yeah and i think that is i that's where i questioned i didn't trust myself in the very beginning i'm like i everybody says i should have these instincts i have no instincts i have no idea why she's crying like i i totally i mentally spiraled there
1: yeah And even when you're confused now as older kids, like the truth is, is that you do know your kids. It's just that you get marinating in all this confusion. It's just, you know, it just takes you away. And so just literally paying attention from the very beginning and not putting pressure on yourself to do any, you know, to be doing perfectly from the beginning is also really, really
3: important. I talk to my parents about that a lot. Like if it feels like a mess, it's
1: going to feel that way forever. So we might as well just really start to settle into that.
3: I love how you spend so much time helping parents. Of your patients, and uh, to the point where it's like now, the uh, you know a big priority of the work you do. So, how has that been coaching parents? Well, I think that children's what I'm learning the longer I'm a pediatrician
1: is is that for the most part, children's wellness really depends on the wellness of their parents and the mindset of their parents. And so, I find that kids' bodies generally want to be well. I mean, short of some horrible illnesses and COVID and all the things, like there's just they really they really wanna be well. They, I love taking care of kids because they're typically pretty well. And so um, I love working with parents because they're really invested in trying to fix their kids. And the truth is, is when I bring them back to themselves, their kids get better, right? Their kids mm-hmm. are more whole and more available to live the life they're meant to live and we're not in their way. And so I just, I, I really love all of it. It's been wonderful. I love it.
2: It's it's so common sense too, right? I mean, cause it, it is, it's a partnership. And if if doctors, I mean, if you take your kids to 27 checkups a year, which I feel like we do. Yeah. That- no, we don't. No, you know what I mean, like physicals, and then
3: dentists and all that stuff. Yeah,
2: but but taking that other part in for a tune-up, it's uh, I don't know why it's a novel idea, but it is, and it seems like it makes perfect sense to me, and that's why we brought you on. And uh, I know you've got patience to like we. She literally joined us in between. She's got her stethoscope (laughs) around her neck. She's about to put it on a child.
3: Um, (laughs) Okay, well, thank you for this. Thank you. I think we we do need to have you back because I have. I have a lot more questions about the trust in myself. Like we're not doing the things that other parents are doing. And I'm like, oh crap, should I be doing that? So that's a separate podcast. We're going to have you back. Oh yeah. Yeah. I would so
1: love that. That's my favorite topic
3: about managing your kids' emotions and managing yours. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, Thank you, Hope. Love you. Thank you. And real quick,
2: just to, just to sum up, our child is a plant.
3: (laughs) That's right. Is the title of this podcast. Our
2: child is a seed. Well, I, okay. We're going to, but at this point, our child's a plant.
1: Okay. And I'm going to break it. Next podcast, I'm going to break it down better. Okay, good. Okay, good, good,
2: good. good. good, good, <laughs> okay, good. Bye. bye. Okay, so again, we didn't tell her we were calling her and she just nailed that. Like that was what I needed well, to that's,
3: hear. Well, she has become a friend yeah. and she is a mother and she has two children. Her youngest just graduated from high school and her children are the most well-adjusted, lovely human beings and you have to look at, her as a leader and um, be really, you're like, God, what is she doing? Yeah. So I do, I do get some uh, free consult. I probably should pay her for the advice that I, I, have her give me.
2: No, but why would you do that if you can do it for free and put her on a podcast? <laughs> I, 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 have you not figured this out yet? Like what this we're podcast, doing? Podcast, you guys. It's a shakedown. It's a shakedown. So like yeah. all we do is get our friends to give us advice well, people for free. We don't
3: know. We're like, wow, you guys are super impressive. Let's see if we can get them on to get yeah. free advice. You guys have learned what it is yeah. and but we and then we share that free advice with you That's right. And then it's I have to say there are plenty of people and we have many in our life who have chosen not to have children and I def I celebrate that decision too because parenting it's no joke. <laughs> but I was having this conversation with somebody who is Chosen to be childless, and you know this person lives a wonderful, wonderful, happy, happy life. You know, hashtag no regrets. And she was like, you know, I never babysat. I was never into kids. I was just never. That's just nothing ever I wanted to do. I was like, you know what? I didn't really babysit either. I wasn't super into kids, and I, I did say I was like, well, I think I like my kids. I don't know if I'm. I love children. Yeah, I would. I would jump in front of a bus for any child, but I'm not the one at parties that hangs out at the kids table. Right. You know what I mean? So No, you're not. No. I, I like I like some grown ups.
2: You you also I mean, I remember the conversation that we had when we were looking into having kids. We got married when we were in our upper twenties, so we weren't like a super young couple. I think we got married maybe a little later than some of our friends, but right around the same time as, as a yeah, lot of people get married. 30, yeah. And we were living in New York. I think I was the one who brought up let's let's have kids I don't know if that's normally the way that it happens and you were not averse to the idea but you certainly were looking to follow some of the tenets that Hope put out which is like let's enjoy being married for a while and I think I was like why dude I'm ready let's let's like I want to be a dad I want a little I want a little thing running around at and at that point just talking about it, I think impregnated you.
3: I know. Like we it happened. Sh- we like literally shared a fork and I got pregnant. Yeah,
2: And I'm I, I, like, I would never change a thing, but, you know, looking back on it, <laughs> particularly now that I've seen what happens firsthand when you get pregnant, I understand why you, you wanted to have some time to, to have control over. I mean, cause you lose control of your body almost immediately when you're pregnant. I did not.
3: Um, I think that um, I obviously it was the best decision that, we ever made. And we, I have to say, like, we genuinely love being around our kids. I remember there was a time, people online kind of made fun of me, like, because I, in The Amazing Race, I cried leaving our kids. And they're like, oh, it's only a month. I'm like, but a month not being able to talk to your kids. Like, we, we really, really love our kids. But it has been, it is not for the week. I would never discourage somebody from doing it. But I also, if somebody knows in their heart that this is not a journey for them, I celebrate that too, because. It's hard, man. And again, the the, the hardest. The, the, the I, I. It's so funny. I thought like, oh, once the kids sleep through the night, I won't have to worry anymore. Are you kidding? That's when the worrying starts. We do. We are blessed with some great kids, though.
2: Do you remember the actual? Because just going back to Melissa's voicemail, do you remember the just the the months leading into it? And I know that I I wasn't working as much when you were pregnant. I was working some, but I was preparing more for that than I have for anything else in my life. And so were you, but but you were working while this was happening. And I was scared at times. Like there was, there was an incident with a fish. That happened while we were in Melissa's boat and we were expecting a child where we were like, let's get a fish and we'll care for that because we hadn't had a dog and we'll just practice and we killed the fish inside of about two weeks. And uh, and then for, for just a second, we were like, what does this say about our parenting? And then we went to the doctor and the doctor's like, it's a fish.
3: We didn't go to a fish doctor, by
2: the way. No, no, no. We went to your... It's
3: like a beta fish. It was like
2: a... We went to your doctor. It's my fault. I didn't put it in the right environment. But I just remember being... I guess this whole story is to say I was scared a lot. And it's funny. I went back and I read... I actually documented this in a a Lola pregnancy book that was just... Well, actually, it wasn't a book, but it was a collection of emails I sent to everyone who knew we were pregnant. And then our friend Julie actually put it into a book. And every... Email was like part excitement, but also just like abject fear <laughs> on my side. I don't know if you remember that at all.
3: Um, I think we were. Re- I would think that's just normal. I think that's just super yeah. super duper normal. I guess
2: that's what I'm way. trying to say to Melissa, because going again, going back to her question, like what what's your advice? Maybe I would just say like being a little scared is definitely okay. Yeah,
3: absolutely. Okay, so now comes the part of our podcast where we jump around to different topics.
2: It's our segment segment. It's
3: segments of segment segment.
2: Funny TikTok videos that she's rocking. Scarves for her necklines and dresses with pockets. Stuff she discovered and joy that it brings. These are a few of Kim's favorite things.
3: Okay, but instead of Kim's... This is Penn's. Well, we can do we can both do it. Yeah, I just do I don't know if I have a favorite thing.
2: You don't have a favorite thing
3: this week. So,
2: I like my favorite thing this week may be a bit controversial, but just like bear with me. It's John Mulaney. John Mulaney, um, John Mulaney is a stand-up comedian who uh went to rehab and had an uh falling out with his wife and, you know, he says he is an adult comedian. But we went to see him uh in concert about a week ago. And I, I'm a huge fan of standup. I was like so blown away by the brutal honesty and how much he revealed about some parts of his life that I know are difficult to talk about. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I was really, I didn't know uh, a lot about him, I'll admit. I knew he was a comedian and a writer for us and I, I didn't really know anything about his <laughs> personal neither. life. Me neither, me uh, neither. But we have very good friends who, it, it was very sweet. They had other friends they invited who needed to back out. And we were like the backup friends, by the way, we'll I be love your, being a backup friend. We will be your backup friend. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll go. Um,
2: I think there've been some weddings that we've been invited to oh, yeah. because like a couple of people canceled and they needed to fill out a table at yeah, the last no, minute. And,
3: and they tell us and we're like, that's fine. We'll go. Yeah. But no hard feelings. No hard. No, I get it. Weddings are terrible like that. I have to. So he talks about his and in, in a very hilarious way, his intervention and rehab and found a way to make the tragedy of it all very funny. But as somebody who has, I, we have participated in an intervention or two for other people and have tried to see people through the rehab experience. It, it really did give me perspective from that side Yeah, and how, how traumatic that is. He
2: he started talking about it and I was like, okay, I don't know how he's going to get through this without either skipping a bunch of the parts, and that, that way it doesn't land, or bumming everyone out, and he somehow managed to toe the line and send a, a really positive message across at the end while also making me laugh at an intervention. Yeah. Isn't that nuts?
3: Vulnerability can be funny.
2: It really can. He, so do you remember the, like, so I'll just end with this. The thing that he said, and he gave this advice, it's so funny. He was talking to a 12 year old the entire time on the third row. I know somebody
3: brought their 12 year old to the show. There's a lot uh, of foul language. (laughs) Like,
2: Hey Dayton, like don't do any of these things that I'm doing, but there's a lot of other people here and we've got to talk about it. I'm not sure why you're here, but here we go. (laughs) And he gave this advice at the very end of the show. And this is the reason I brought him up, which is that true happiness comes Internally, there is no external thing that can bring you true happiness. And I think that's something that they probably tell addicts when they when they try to find I happiness like somewhere I've, else.
3: I've seen that on a poster. Yeah, maybe. And, and it's like, I'm like, yes, I agree with you. But then, I mean, dang it. Don't we all look for that external validation? Yeah. For... Also money.
2: Yeah. Money is external. Like we, we, we chase that. We chase success. We chase material things. And I, Look, I've heard it before. But it just it, it landed after hearing everything that he said. And I don't know, I, I I went there expecting kind of an immature comedian. And I got this like in, I got like accidentally got a life coach when I was there.
3: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree that that was pretty great. I'm trying to think what some of my favorite things. Do I me to
2: help you out? Yeah. I'm not going to tell you what your favorite things are.
3: No, but what if I liked least? Well, maybe?
2: you've seen the first episode, and we're going to binge this of Stranger Things. Of Stranger Things.
3: So, and uh, I
2: know I could tell you liked it when we watched it. And guys, I know we're so behind oh here, my gosh, but I want you so to imagine behind. how you felt watching it for the first time. That's us right now. So
3: our daughter watches it, and I have. It's been on. So I know it's been on. Like she'll watch it downstairs because she's like me. She can't watch it at night by herself. So it's on in the living room and I'm doing 20,000 things. So I actually sat down. But I'm I'm 12 and I cannot watch anything scary before bed. Right. So it's like, and then how can I watch stuff in the middle of the day? So I'm limited to like a <laughs> Sunday afternoon watch. So I have like one hour on Sunday.
2: Hang on. I think you can. I'm going to give you permission to watch stuff in the middle of the day. I could go pick the kids up. We got summer coming up here. We don't have to carpool as much. You can just disappear for 40 minutes and watch a weird show.
3: Can I? But I want to watch with you. I'll
2: watch it with you. That's the whole
3: point. Oh, I have another favorite thing. Duh. We went and saw Hamilton last night. Oh, yeah. Hamilton came through, came through. Hamilton, the production of Hamilton came, is in Durham at the Durham Performing Arts Center. And we, we did see it originally in New York, not the original cast. Um, but we, so we've seen it before. Man, it slaps. It, it was awesome. If, if, if Hamilton comes through your community, uh, I would 10 out of 10 recommend going seeing it.
2: I've now watched the HBO Max or Disney, Disney Disney Plus, Plus or yeah. whatever bit where the original cast was there. And you got a real feel for what that was like. I think that was sort of similar to listening to the original soundtrack, which we've done a thousand times. Um, I watched you and I both together watched in New York with our family several years after the original cast had left. So there was that bit. And then this was the travel tour that we got to see which was sort of the third iteration and I've seen enough of it that I can make some proclamations about Hamilton
3: let's see let's hear
2: Um, let's start with this Uh, that musical will be airing on spaceships when we're orbiting Saturn 500 years from now it will it will hold up forever and the people who wrote it and the originals who performed it and for whom it was written will be immortalized it is 100%. It is never going to get old, and I, I almost like it more every time I see it. So that's one. Number two, mm-hmm. and this is – like we talked about this last night, Kim, you and I. They redefined what a triple threat is. Mm-hmm. Do you – remember? like you're a performer. You remember like a, a great triple threat on Broadway is someone who can dance, sing, and act. And if you can do all three of those – you are kind of a, a unicorn because it is hard mm. you can be classically trained to sing, but not be a great rapper. You can have great rhythm and beats, but not really know how to sing. And then acting is its own separate deal. Um, I'm sorry, sing, dance, and, and uh, um, sing, dance, and act. They, Hamilton has changed it where the, really the triple threat, the, the, most of the dancing is the chorus, but for most of the principles, you have to be able to act, rap, and sing. And that's never been the case before. And I'm realizing when I watch the travel shows and the shows in New York that like finding someone who can do all three of those is almost impossible. And you can tell after having seen like people who are good at it when, okay, this person is doing all of these things, but maybe isn't that strong of a rapper or this person is a really good rapper, but they don't know how to sing. It's just a whole new level of difficulty that only Hamilton has presented in this space.
3: Uh, you can do all those things, babe.
2: Uh uh, I can't really act. I can sort of act. You're a better actor than me. I'm There's a reason. Actress. No, no. You Well.
3: I can act like myself. So we do these sketches and I can act like myself.
2: Yeah. Which I, is like
3: an annoyed mother. <laughs> it comes very naturally.
2: Yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, I, I, I my only acting experience was uh, as riffraff. And I don't know that I nailed that. It was very uncomfortable to me maybe until the last week being able to act like somebody else. I'm with you. I, I think I'm better off. Like if someone asked me to be weirdo Yankovic or Dick Van Dyke, like those are people that I can take parts of my personality and plug into whatever it is that I'm doing. But I, it, it would, it was weird acting like an alien, which is what my role was. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I was thinking when we were watching Hamilton, like which role I would want to do if I could do any of them. The King. No, Ew. everyone thinks that because I'm white. <laughs>
3: And that's your voice more like most is most similar, I think, to that.
2: Yeah, that's that may be the thing I'm best suited for. Okay, I don't know. I want to be Lafayette and uh, Jefferson. Oh yeah, he's so that's that is first of all the like David Diggs. He wrote it for David Diggs. That rhyme scheme is so intensely difficult, and he he attack he attacks it with so much comfort. I've never seen anyone since David Diggs nail that part, but he and I. This is going to sound crazy coming from a white forty-seven-year-old guy, but we have similar rap traits. Yeah, like a lot of swing in the way that we rap, and also he was just all smiles and charisma for both of those roles. Yeah, so like that's the one I would want to play. I don't know if I'd be most equipped for it, but it's my favorite role, and it's the one that I think I identify with the most, like more so than the king.
3: Thank you for our last week or two weeks ago, we did a Top Gun review and this is just our theater review. Welcome. I'm
2: sorry. I just, that was your favorite thing and I jumped right in.
3: No, you did. I I love it.
2: What would your role be?
3: Definitely like backup dancer, like support staff. You know, you could do that
2: right now. You're such a good dancer. I could. could.
3: If Hamilton, if you're looking for a 46 year old middle-aged mom to be backup dancer, (laughs) I sign up. I accept.
2: Do you know how like our USTA, like our tennis groups, they have a 40 plus division?
3: Yes, they should do a 40 plus Hamilton.
2: We might even be able to make that (laughs) because if they could do an old person's Hamilton. We're not old.
3: (laughs) We're not old. Well, you know what
2: I mean? But just sort of have, we could have our own division.
3: And honestly, for the really intense rap, they would be subtitles up so people could see. Because we took my dad and my stepmom and she, she they loved it. They loved it, but they yeah. had no exposure to what it was. She's like, I couldn't understand a lot of the words, but I got the gist. And, you know, and, and yeah, it's a lot. It goes fast.
2: I thought about suggesting that they just get the soundtrack because it's so wonderful, the original soundtrack. But I don't know. Yeah. They probably have, have other things they need to do
3: um okay <laughs> you guys thank you for spending time with us yeah i really appreciate you
2: and thank you dr seidel um
3: and it's parent with hope i'm looking at the website right now and she's just a gem yeah. and if you need as a parent if you feel like you just need a sounding board i, I do know that she's worked with people like as a life coach yeah that, that aren't parents so i think she does that stuff too 10 out of 10 recommend okay all well. right let's go water our plants Yes, and see what we get. Do we have cilantro? Do we, I love cilantro. If I got some cilantro, I'd be thrilled. Cause you know some people think that cilantro would tastes like soap. There's like a weird gene. Okay, Pence, ignoring me. Love you. Bye.